0: The Deep Dive with Nick Babel. Welcome to The Deep Dive. This is Nick Babel. I am here today with my longtime friend and fellow mobster and mafia enthusiast, Adam Seaman. Yo, thank you. Today on The Deep Dive, we're going to be talking about our mafia influences um growing up it was something we were very interested in um you know off the top obviously you know these are horrible people and sociopaths and murderers and scumbags but very interesting you know very interesting to know the history about them and stuff and and uh you know that they always seemed not super real growing up in a small town. Um, You know, they seem like characters, but anyways, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to do a deep dive into the prohibition area mob. And um, it's something we're both very knowledgeable about. Um, Adam thinks a lot of people ignore that, that um, part of the history because the forties and fifties and, 60s and the vegas mob stuff gets talked about a lot but you know i guess sometimes people just uh don't think about the prohibition area era as much and a lot of those guys that worked into the 40s and 50s that's where they got their they made their names so so starting off um welcome adam how are you doing thanks man i'm all right okay (laughs) uh yeah adam and i have both been working long hours so so bear with us um i know the last three days i probably put in 35 hours worth of work but um it was pretty successful work so i can't complain um so yeah um so what do you think got us into the mafia? Do you remember? I mean, I don't know. Oh remember. that's a
1: damn good question, man. Uh what got us into the mafia? Huh.
0: I don't remember watching any like particular no, because there's, there's really a,
1: even even now there's there's some good mob movies out there, but there's not really there's not any to me, there's not any really good mob movies. So I and I, I would have remembered that if a movie had made an impression on me and right. was like, oh, the mob is cool.
0: You're definitely more of a, a snob when it comes to mafia stuff, but we'll talk about that. But like movies and stuff. But yeah. you know what it might have been now that I'm thinking about it? Remember that book in the library, The Mafia Encyclopedia?
1: Yeah, I was gonna mention that. I have that I have it now.
0: I th-
1: I, th- I have like the third edition.
0: <laughs> I almost bought it a few years ago. And it was like expensive as fuck it's a great reference it is a great reference though but um i think we used to check that out of the library all the time oh yeah and uh i think that's you know we're that's That's how
1: we got familiar with all the, the names you know
0: yeah so so children there was this thing called libraries back in the day before before the interwebs was your library and uh so we used to check out books and uh, read them. It's kind of an old fashioned thing, but um, yeah, I, I think that's my first introduction into it. Cause I mean, later I'd watch movies that, you know, were a big part of it, but I mean,
1: it's okay. When you think of that book, what is the first thing you think of?
0: Uh. Probably the barbershop photo
1: of uh, Albert Anastasia. Albert
0: Anastasia murder. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always remember that was like one of the first pictures in the book. And it was like, holy shit. Like, uh, yeah. Very famously, he was, he was murdered. A, yeah. Um, what was something you, what was your first? So I, um, I
1: actually, um, I guess my first thought would be uh, Pretty Amberg. Who is that? Louis Pretty Amberg.
0: No, actually, I don't even.
1: Louis Monster, his his uh, his eyes, just like pierce your soul. A dude is cold as ice, man. I'll, I'll show you his picture.
0: Hmm. Is he a pretty, pretty famous? Pretty, when, when
1: I show you the picture, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, that guy."
0: <laughs> pretty famous hitman, probably.
1: Uh. So. Uh, him and his brother ran a Jewish gang out of a place called Brownsville. I think it was in Queens um, during Prohibition. And uh, they were vicious, vicious guys. And uh, I want to say they got left out of the uh, uh, rise of the uh, National Commission. So uh, during the so at some point, uh, let's see. Pretty Amberg, I think. Oh God. He was either executed. I want to say he's ex he was executed uh, by the authorities. Uh, I think he went to prison and got executed, but
0: uh Yeah, that that was how the story ended for a lot of them, I remember, in the book. Either the cops killed him, they a fellow mafia guys killed him, or you know, there's a rare occasion where they they made it to old age, like Joe Bonano and um,
1: yeah, I mean a lot of those prohibition, you know, um, the prohibition guys. I mean, the ones who made it through, yeah, uh, usually, you know, lived lived their life.
0: Meyer Lansky, yeah, he lived pretty old. Yeah,
1: Meyer, he died of old age.
0: Yeah, so there's a few of them, but a lot of them got got taken out back back in the day.
1: So funny thing just to touch on the Prohibition era part in New York City um, a lot of the guys they, a lot of people, most people who know anything passing about the mob you know like uh, uh, Lucky and uh, Meyer Lansky and you know all those guys really like they, they didn't much or mean much until the end, right? But like throughout the 20s, it was all other guys, you know, guys yeah. most people have never heard of. You know? Yeah, that's
0: true. A lot of mustache Pete stuff still around, so, dude, um, my,
1: you know, Joe the Boss. There was um, yeah. Peter the Clutching Hand Morello. Yeah, uh, oh man, there was even a um, Kimura gang,
0: and the Chicago Alpha had their own guys too. But we'll get we'll get into that in the deep dive. Let's not step on that too much. Um, so, so we used to do we used to read that book a lot, and we play. We another thing we used to do before there was cell phones that everybody had. We used to make up paper games, and I know oh, yes, we, had,
1: we have to talk about the game.
0: Yeah, I know yeah, we have. So,
1: I don't. I don't remember. All I remember is, like, I wish I could remember the game because I, I would try to, you know, refine it and maybe try to make it realistic. <laughs> like yeah,
0: I don't remember really what it was either. I don't remember,
1: you know, I, I just, we drew, a, we had a table and we drew on it and we had cards and I think we had dice.
0: Dice were definitely involved.
1: And we, were, we were, each of us was a boss, you know, and we had our guys picked out.
0: Yeah, and there was definitely different say, crimes. Uh, huh? There was definitely different crimes like uh, racketeering yeah. or prostitution or. Yeah. But.
1: It was fun, it, and it really immersed us, like everyone,
0: into the mob. Yeah, it's yeah, true. So let's, kids. That back in the day, that's how we got into stuff. So, um, a little different, and that. Now the difference I think between you and I is uh. Like you were saying, you you're not really super impressed by mafia and and, and entertainment. Um, I'm a huge Sopranos fan. I think it's the best TV show. Period. Not just mafia. Well, related. I was
1: I was talking movies.
0: Well, yeah. Oh, so you're you like TV shows? You got some TV shows. There are
1: some good TV shows. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and there's ones that I haven't even watched. That I want to get into There's that um, Like Irish Mafia one uh, That's on Netflix Um, It's a show? Yeah It's set like in the 1800s I think
1: Oh Peaky Blinders?
0: Yes Peaky Blinders You know years ago I might have watched the first two episodes And I for some reason I had too much going on But it's The series went quite a few years so I wanna get back into it. Once you get past the big accents and stuff, you know seems like it'd be interesting. But
1: so as an ode to my snobbery, I could really give a crap.
0: About that one. Yeah. Too too early. Yeah, true. And it's a different different country and a different, you know, thing. But you know I um I know you never really watched the Sopranos. I think you gave the first season a little bit of a try or something.
1: Yeah. I watched a few, you know, because Brie has the whole thing and she always, uh, you
0: know, you should watch it. You should watch it. (laughs) Well, she's right. I know. know. I don't know. See, okay. Let me tell you something, not to turn this into a whole Sopranos podcast, which I could do. The first season has some gems but overall it's probably the worst season of the state they 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 say they have seven seasons but it was more like 6a and 6b kind of like they're separate seasons but um but the first season they're still trying to figure stuff out there's some shit to get through the mother stuff is kind of rough a little bit um even though originally that was kind of the point of the show with David Chase, he wanted to, he wanted to have a show about his relationship with this kind of crazy mom and, and, but make it into a mafia show. So originally that's what a lot of the plot was, but once you get past the first season, the second season has a really good bad guy, Richie Aprile, And then, um, and then the third season on is just, just best writing, best acting. It really gets more into the mafia stuff, um, especially, like, I think it's the fourth season, a bunch of them get out of jail from the 80s, and it's like, and, like, in the beginning of the episode, it's kind of like the news is covering it, There's it's like, wow, well, a lot of free agents coming out of the jail, you know, former this family member, New York City guy, so it's kind of it's it really gets into the mafia stuff too. And so that's a great show. Boardwalk Empire, which we talked about off the pod a little bit. That was actually a lot of the Sopranos writers um oh, really? and did that show. That Terrence Winner, um, who was one of the big Sopranos directors and writers, that was like his brainchild was Boardwalk Empire. And that is, you know, that really delves into the Prohibition stuff, which we're going to talk about later. And, um, again, just a really good acted and, you know, well-written show. Um, Movies, I love Goodfellas. Um, It's, uh, I know it's the go-to movie that everybody says for Mafia movies, other than The Godfather 1 and 2. But Goodfellas is is so good. I mean, it's so good. It's it's just awesome movie. Um,
1: Ray Liotta, man.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And I just the voiceover. It's one of the few movies that the voiceover works on, where the guy's narrating mm. it. Yeah, Ray Liotta. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's great. Casino is underrated. Um, so it's long. I've seen bits and pieces, and I was
1: interested, but...
0: It's a little long, and it gets into De Niro and The, the Girlfriend a little too much. and but um,
1: oh, That's what I remember from it, actually. Yeah,
0: it gets into that a little too much, but it's a good movie. Um, of course, the two Godfather movies. I've um, seen them. I just watched them both recently. And, uh, you know, it's not a controversial opinion. A lot of people say this. The second one's better. Um, The first one's good, too. They're totally... It's the brilliance of it. One of the brilliant things is even though they're, you know, back, they're sequels, they're really two different movies, two different kinds of movies. So, um, it's just, they're classics. You can't beat them. Um, You know, recently... I've watched a lot of like low budget mob stuff, B movies and shit. Nothing, nothing even worth mentioning. I'm trying to think that Public Enemies was was pretty bad with Johnny Depp. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's a, uh, and I know you're a big Johnny Depp fan, but
1: yeah, no, I saw, you know, again, best of pieces. I couldn't, I couldn't hold my interest.
0: No, nah. I'm trying to think of even.
1: One I did get through was that um, uh, someone with Mickey Cohen there.
0: Oh, Army Hammer, I think, isn't it? Oh, I don't even think I've seen that one. Maybe is
1: it? No, not Army Hammer. um, Oh, the kid from the Goonies there.
0: Oh, oh, uh, oh! Older brother. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, He's in that really good movie that won the answer for Best Picture, uh, No Country for Old Men.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, shit, I can't think of his name right now, but...
1: Yeah, do you know, do you know the movie? Uh, no. Gangster Squad.
0: Gang, oh, you know what? I did... I feel like that's a movie I watched once, and I never thought about it again.
1: It's a bit over the top.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I kind of uh, do remember about that. Do you remember that really weird Tom Hanks Mafia movie? And oh, I'm, I've got that road to perdition,
1: yeah. So that was uh based on uh on real gangsters, actually, besides yeah. just Frank Nitty. Like,
0: yeah, I you know, I watched it in the theater, I know I saw it in the theater, and now when everybody brings up Tom Hanks's like movie resume, everybody's like. Oh, that was kind of a good movie, but you can't watch it more than once. It's so depressing. And um, I guess that must be how I felt with it, because I've never attempted a rewatch on that. But, rewatch it. Yeah. I, it's always, it is streaming, so I'll have to check it out again.
1: It gets better the more you watch it, I feel like. Because um, I remember thinking after the first time I watched it, like, okay, I was depressing or whatever. But I was like, man, I didn't have much much about the mob in it. Like, there wasn't much. But then like over the years, you know, whenever I've run across it, I watch it and and there's actually quite a bit about the mob and it's good. And then, um, so I'm doing a lot of research on the prohibition era uh, beer wars. And uh, it turns out that, uh, you know, the uh, Irish, the, the, the mob boss he works for in the beginning
2: Ordered, yes uh, yeah so
1: this guy is based off a real guy uh, in Rock Island Illinois and uh, it's, it's loosely based on uh, the, the beer war they had there
0: hmm. yeah I think people don't realize how crazy it got you know
1: no I mean, that's all that's over the uh, country that's why I'm I'm you know, if they mention Al Capone, they say New York City, maybe they mention Lucky Luciano or something, Las Vegas, you know, and that's it, that's it, you know, and more often than not, you know, Prohibition is just glanced over, and, and there's never any detail, and that's why, you know, so I took it upon myself, I'm like, you know what, god damn it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find that detail, I'm gonna find all those nooks and crannies, because that shit just didn't happen in Chicago and New York, and that was it, you know.
0: No, that was happen it was gone. all over. Um, they touch on that a little bit in Boardwalk. They talk about like Wisconsin and uh, a couple other places, but yeah, it was a you know it was a pipeline. I know. Um, funnily enough, my uh, it would be my great great grandpa or great great grandpa. And um, I don't know um, your sister's husband, Trevor. It's on his side of the family. Um, he was a, a boot a bootlegger He's in, in Canada.
1: Probably a rum runner. Um,
0: yeah, so he he was actually uh, he was kicked out of Canada uh, um, for doing that. Like it somehow, and made it into the U.S.
1: I gotta ask about
0: that. Yeah. My grandma mentioned something to, to me about it years ago, but. That's really cool. Um, all right. So let's transition now into the deep dive section of the podcast. Um, we've touched upon it a little bit, but we're gonna get into the prohibition era, which uh, took place between 1920 and 1933. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, 13 years. And um, as we talked about a little bit, I think off the podcast, a lot of people just think about the last three years, which is, uh, you know, like the Castle, the, how do you pronounce it? Castle Maurice war. Castle Maurice. Castle Marisi war. I'm not Italian at all. So, (laughs) Um, you you know, that had a lot of the big players in it, but. Like you were saying, a lot of those big players were. That was the beginnings of those guys, the Lucky Lucianos and the yeah, the
1: National Crime Committee.
0: Uh, yeah, National Crime Syndicate, Meyer Lansky, yeah. Joe Bonanno. You know et cetera, all those guys,
1: etc. Et
0: Joe Adonis, and you know that's kind of. But there was. It was obviously happening in 1920,
1: 1921,
0: 1922. And it wasn't just Italians. Oh, no, definitely. Irish were big in it. Um, Irish
1: Jewish, to
0: Jews. Um, probably even just American Americans. And uh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure it didn't really have a, you know, nobody had a, I guess, a monopoly on it, especially early on. So.
1: When I'm coming to to
0: find out, there's like three different types of warfare going
1: on from 1920 to 1933. You got the the authorities against the mob, you know, the, the bootleggers, rum runners. They're they're shooting, they're fighting each other. Well, then you got the the mob against the mob, you know, fighting control over territory and you know trucks and boats and blah blah blah. Well, then a third facet which I'm finding. Surprisingly, a lot of the KKK against the mob. Oh, wow. So, the KKK, a lot of times, local authorities or prohibition agents would use uh, the Ku Klux Klan as muscle to raid places, you know. um, The
0: KKK used to kind of pretend they were religious or at least use they they were like consider themselves a church group a little bit. So that kind of makes sense that they were prohibition. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They were very, they were, the KKK were very, uh, um, anti-booze.
0: And now they became the Republican party. Interesting. (laughs) Um, we won't get into that. So, um, yeah, you know, I have seen that, that the, that, yeah, you don't think about that when you think about that time, but
1: no, but yeah. it was prevalent quite yeah. prevalent
0: um so you did a little research on like uh local um mafia stuff was yeah. that prohibition stuff or was that more yeah, recent so
1: prohibition so uh starting with the hometown good old G R O T O N new york uh let's see here so I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little snippet of an article I found here. So the date is uh 30th December 1921 is on a Friday in uh, the Ithaca Journal. Charged Groton Cobbler mended shoes thirst. Frank Bogordo, <laughs> Italian, who moved into village recently from Cortland, held a thousand dollar bail for March grand jury for selling booze. So uh, this guy uh uh, See, so he kept a liquor supply in the Groton Village uh, and kept Groton wet for months. Oh, uh. they've, been, they've been looking for him, you know, and uh, he was uh, arraigned on charge of violating the State Prohibition Enforcement Act. Um, Bogordo and Frank D'Amino, both Italians, came to Groton from Cortland about December 1st. They opened a shoe repair shop in the basement. Under Blair's Clothing Store, I would love to know where the hell that is.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Blair's Clothing Store,
0: probably somewhere on Main Street, you would think.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Clothing store, maybe, uh, maybe the little st- strip right there, um, Farrell's and yeah. Pizza, maybe in that that strip somewhere or something. Um. Yeah, but they did. But they didn't just sell shoes. Uh, they were selling booze out of there, and the, the cops raided the place, and uh, they arrested them. But I thought it was interesting because they're they were both Italian, you know. Yeah, uh, Just little old Groton, you know, even even the long, long hand of the mob is in, in Groton.
0: <laughs> Everybody needed their drinks, you know.
1: It, says, uh, it is claimed that Bogordo received his supply by truck from Cortland or Syracuse. Oh, so if you if if uh, Syracuse, I think was under uh, Buffalo, was in Buffalo's territory. So I don't
2: know. The Buffalo
1: Mafia could have uh, been
0: in uh, it Makes sense. I mean, like we were saying, you know, it wasn't just a, uh, it wasn't just Italians in the big cities killing them it was people everywhere that still wanted to drink, you know, wouldn't really unpopular amendment, you know, you know, it's funny to think
1: it was actually really popular at first.
0: Right. But like anything, I don't think people really knew what it meant. You know, after a
1: while, um, you know, and that's, I don't know. That's a good question, but I know politically, um, the will to keep enforcing it was lost, you know? Right. Um, but uh, here, here's another one. Uh, this is dated uh, 10th of January, 1921. So this was, what was the other one? So same year, opposite ends. Right. Um, two grout nights held for sale of hard stuff. Village officials confident they have broken up a whiskey and hard cider ring with the arrest of alleged bootleggers. Um, the rest of three Grotonites, Mike Gorman, Eugene Tierney, and Con Ahern.
2: Oh.
1: And then uh, it says, uh, the Trio's liquor supply sourced to Henry Lindenberg and Vincenzo Nessanio
2: mm.
0: Italian,
1: <laughs> Italian, yeah. But, like, that's that's uh, so put that with the other two guys, and you got. Seven, seven bootleggers in
0: Groton, you know? Wow. Yeah, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think no, that Oh, be...
1: not Groton. Granted, Groton was a... You know, they were hopping back in the day, but... Right. Still off the beaten path, you know?
0: Yeah. You would think Ithaca maybe had some stuff going on, because uh, probably during prohibition they were still considered maybe that's a little early but ithaca was kind of the east coast hollywood for a while um but i think for many reasons but the cold being one of them it never kind of took off like that but um that might have been more after prohibition but still you know ithaca Cortland, syracuse you would think probably run by the bo- Buffalo ma- Mafia, you know. Yes, yeah,
1: so uh, um, so the, the Central New York was uh, split up. I know later it was Buffalo territory, but it was also Scranton territory. Uh-huh. So, uh so have you seen that that uh, that new mob movie there? Oh, what the, what the hell! It's got um. Oh god, I can't, total, total brain fart here. Um, he's old as dirt. Who? He's, the actor. He's old as dirt. He's iconic as hell, but he's old as hell.
2: Oh.
1: Um. One of the true not not Pesci, but Nero. Yes. Have you seen that one?
0: Oh, the Irishman.
1: Like, the Irishman. Yes.
0: Yeah, that was about okay, half so, a... So that's
1: all uh, Scranton. That's a Scranton mob. Pesci plays uh, the Scranton boss. Uh, yeah,
0: he's really good on that.
1: <coughs> can't think of his name. But, uh... Yeah, Scranton. I know Scranton had control of
0: Binghamton. Oh, wow. Well. <coughs> Scranton's a pretty... pretty big, uh, Scranton's a pretty big place. I and. Mean, Working in case there tomorrow, I'll be in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, pretty big city.
1: Well, that's why they had the uh, <clears throat> Appalachian Conference. Yeah. So New York, <clears throat> New York. Called. I just watched another mob movie. Actually, right. it's got a oh, uh, uh, <clears throat> Officer Dewey
0: in it. There. It's terrible. I yeah. started I started watching it. I got like halfway through it and I'm like fuck this movie.
1: It's uh you know, I watched the whole thing. If 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 you if you're hoping for a mob movie, it's that's not the movie, you know.
0: No, he's got like a girlfriend there and uh she has all those kids and
1: you know, it's just it's kind of awkward at times. <laughs> yeah. I tried watching uh, that but I do think it portrays Vito Genovese is fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. He, he saw himself as this huge, big deal, you know, right. and Don Vito, you know, uh, and he actually he was the last uh, mafia Don to, to declare himself boss of bosses. Right. Um, it didn't last very long. Um, but yeah, so I think, uh, You know, between, I think maybe Syracuse had, uh, Syracuse was under Buffalo, and uh, Binghamton was under Scranton, so where, where the line is drawn, you know, between, I'm not sure, but.
0: Right. Probably some gray areas, you know, Cortland-Ithaca, you know, depending on who, uh, you know, who wanted to work up here in the cold but
1: i mean it's consider uh, tampons county is considered southern tier
0: yeah i'm
1: gonna assume scranton but uh, i got some other some other local stuff yeah uh, this one's a uh, federal agents come upstate to enforce the law 20 deputies to send on syracuse Prepared to round up all violers, violators of the Volstead Act. State Troopers seize 100,000 contraband in cars. Oh I wow. sent 70 agents on their way to Cuse, Albany, and Buffalo. Do a bunch of raids. Um, $100,000 worth of liquor.
0: Uh, Where was this raided at? Syracuse?
1: Syracuse, Albany, and Buffalo.
0: Oh, wow. That's real spread out.
1: Yeah, only... So, the, the prohibition agents, they were the... Uh, whatever they were called, the, the, whatever um, organization they were under, were very undermanned. Right. Um,
0: And it seemed like they were pretty easily corruptible, too.
1: Yes, very. Uh, I've got a lot of examples of that. Guys... Uh, one thing I found weird, too, is that uh, a lot of times when a prohibition agent, they they were really gun happy. They would love to shoot their guns. <laughs> and um, a lot of times when they would actually kill somebody, they were arrested.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Uh. Which I found interesting, you know what I mean? Like, they weren't, I feel like they they, they weren't treated as law enforcement, per se.
0: Right. Well, maybe, you know they could go back to towards how much local law enforcement had its own powers. So, you know, you, you bring in those guys, and they were kind of like, uh, you know, Prohibition treasury agents and um, they kill, you know, some local bootleggers while well, the cop might be the cousin of the local bootlegger. He's going to arrest, you know, arrest them and beat them and kill them if he wants to, you know, it's you know kind of more Wild West, you know. Even though it's past the Wild West time, it's still local laws. You know, probably a lot less regulated back then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's one. Um, so the the chief of police in Syracuse tells a reputed gangster Syracuse prefers his absence. <laughs> uh, Syracuse isn't big enough for William Squawk Riley, reputed ally of Jack Legs Diamond. So, hey.
0: That's an Irish That's right.
1: mob, right? Uh, yeah, I think he was Irish.
0: Yeah. Riley sounds so, Irish, too.
1: It does. But isn't that interesting? Legs Diamond and, and the Legs Diamond mob in Syracuse I guess that's not totally unsurprising because uh he hid um, he hid up here. Uh he was actually killed in Albany.
0: Yeah.
1: That's actually not too surprising. But cool. Hey, that's cool. Yeah. Forgot about that one.
0: Yeah, you know, up here we don't really think of Albany is local, but oh it's, no. It's still, you know, it's a it's three hour drive, but
1: small. It's only like a hour and a half for me. Now, yeah.
0: well, it's funny. Um, Albany has become like the, isn't it like the epicenter for that Hollywood cult there? Oh, uh, the, uh, one, the one where they're cult? branding people.
1: Yeah, I forget the name of it. Yeah, it was, it's like CSX or some shit. Yeah, yeah,
0: something like that. Sounds was
1: like a nerve agent.
0: Yeah, yeah it was basically a cult leader that wanted to like bang a bunch of hot chicks, which is usually how those cults end up going. Yeah. But I know like they have a big thing in Albany for some reason. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Was probably a uh, Cuomo's.
0: <laughs> I've worked out of, uh, <laughs> I've worked in Albany a bunch with this job I got now. And it's not my favorite place to work. Mm. uh I've driven through of,
1: there many times, but that's all I care to do, you know. It's a lot of... doesn't seem very big.
0: Yeah, it's kind of spread out big, and it's one of those things where if you miss your exit or if you miss your road, you have to take a, like a... It seems like it's built to rip people off. You got to, like, take a highway to get, turn around and spend another two or three bucks getting back to... <laughs> Probably is. Bucks. Yeah. So... Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, this one here is uh, actually a, uh, a murder uh, k- killed in Syracuse bootleggers feud. Tony Zingare 28, was slain. A companion was wounded seriously in the scalp of an onlooker grazed by a stray bullet in an outbreak of what police described as a bootleggers feud today in a restaurant conducted by John Sentra. The shooting was done by a man who escaped before arrival of police
0: hmm yeah sounds like uh definitely could be somebody went in to kill him you know or you know maybe an argument over a meeting yeah you never know back then a lot of that stuff there was a lot of like street justice and a lot of uh hits that were set up in you know the guy's favorite restaurant the guy's favorite barbershop the guy's You know, yeah, they wait for him to get comfortable.
1: Double cross, eh?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's how it kind of went back then during Prohibition.
1: You had to be real careful. Yeah. Sometimes you just had no chance because your best friend or your brother, even. Well, they turned on you. You know, you're dead.
0: Well, it reminds me of uh, just like some of the just interesting ways that we'd hear about some of those murders, like. That Frankie Yale, he was such a big guy. When he went to kill somebody, especially if it was a mobster, that he, you know, he'd shake their hand, and he had such a big hand. He would, he would lock their arm with his big hand, and then shoot him with the other hand. And it would kind of be became known as like the Frankie Yale hit type hit.
1: Well, that's what you do. Well, so uh, that's how they kill the. Uh... Dion O'Banion. Yeah. North Side boss. So well, you you shake their, their gun hand, you know? So yeah. they can't they can't pull the gun out. Yeah. And then boom, boom.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then you know, there's the famous the barbershop one we talked about a little bit with Albert Anastasia. And then there's uh, the well, he, th- he had
1: his back to the door. That was yeah. a
0: big no-no. Bad mistake. And then uh, there was also that, there was a famous one at a steakhouse, I think, in New uh, York City. That was, uh,
1: uh, who the hell was that? Um, it was either, uh, oh, the steakhouse. Was that, uh, was that the guy that Gotti killed?
0: I think it was earlier. I think it was earlier. Um, I forget it the that. cigar. Could be where it's. Maybe I'm mixing that. Maybe it was outside of a steakhouse where. Oh no, there was there was one at a table in the steakhouse because I remember the picture. He's laying there, on the table. Um, you know, blood, and then there's a the famous one on the street where the guy's laying, and he was a big boss. Um, With the cigar. Yes. Yeah,
1: and that was uh Carmine Galante.
0: Galante, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was uh, the some of the hits back then, and um, Prohibition times. That was kind of like the heyday for that, or that was really the. A lot of guys made their made their bones, so to speak, during that time. Oh yeah. You know, all the they,
1: bosses from the golden era—they all cut their teeth during prohibition. You know?
0: yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Joe Bonanno was the youngest one, of the, or one of the youngest bosses ever. He was 26 when uh, Maranzano got killed, and uh, he took over that crew. And, um, you know, he was—he was one of the few, not few, but one of the original big guys that was with Maranzano, you know, the whole time. A lot of those other guys came at the end. That's why they call them the Young Turks. Yeah, yeah. Him and uh, obviously Lucky Luciano and Joe Adonis. I uh, I did a little research, like I was telling you, and um, I didn't get very far, just been busy. But that one thing I found interesting about that Joe Adonis, um he goes to jail in the 50s he spends a couple years in prison and then they deport him to italy and it's right around the same time they deported uh, luciano well you would think luciano over here was so big he was the man but i guess in italy adonis was the man his family was just richer he was just a richer over there and a lot of people Like I guess Luciano felt like he kind of Left him as a He kind of let him be poor over there And he kind of ruled his own thing over there And then uh, Luciano dies pretty young Of a heart attack over there Kind of poor Adonis I think lived until like the 70s And then uh, He was one of a bunch of mobsters over there That they thought killed a prosecutor So they they rounded like 100 mobsters up and they moved him to this one village and then uh they took him in for interrogation and they they beat him so bad he died of a heart attack so oh, wow. yeah and he was like 69 years old when he died but it was just i just thought that was interesting cuz you 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 vaguely hear the name Joe Adonis over here you know in mob history yeah i mean He's a
1: boss, but he's not a boss per se.
0: Right. I mean, he was one of the ones that killed Joe the boss, supposedly. He was one of the trigger men. He, war- he saved Luciano. Suppo- I mean, he has a, he actually has a pretty big spot in history because Joe the boss was going to kill Luciano, and uh he tried to hire Adonis to do it, and then instead of doing it, he warned Luciano. And then he was part of that meeting, obviously, and you know they think he was one of the triggermen, but you, you hear Luciano, Luciano, because he was a big boss. But it's kind of funny how at the end of their lives, Adonis really was the big boss over there.
1: That's interesting, uh, irony of history.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so I got another another Q's article here. Yeah. Uh, Three shot and gangster duel. Rival rival beer gang stage battle in Syracuse over missing truck. Uh, Beer gangsters carrying a fight over a missing truck into a brightly lighted restaurant here early today left behind three gun victims, at least one of them probably fatally wounded. Raymond Johnson, the street vendor, was shot in the spine and heart regions and is not expected to live. Stephen Mezzatesta, 31, was shot three times in the legs. and Anthony Pallerino was wounded in the right hip.
0: Hmm. What year was that?
1: This was uh seventeenth of June,
0: nineteen thirty-one. Oh wow! So that's another end of prohibition.
1: Yeah. So the the later stages of prohibition were a lot more violent.
0: Yeah, I think the early stages was still people, you know, figuring it out and making a name for themselves, and you know, there's probably a lot. Originally, there was probably a lot of uh, being scared of the law.
1: Depends on what part of the country you were in.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, probably pretty early in, like, Chicago, in New York City. It was probably pretty early that those guys, you know. I know everybody thinks Capone was, like, the boss when it started, but he wasn't. He was uh, he was an underling for... Um, Oh shit! What's his name? I know the name. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't think of it either. Um. Uh, shit. Real big mobster, and actually, yeah. probably when you when you really look into his his thing, one of the most successful peaceful mobsters was Compone's uh, pro, or uh, you know mentor.
1: Yeah, I can't think of his damn name.
0: I'm uh, using this Google thing here. Um,
1: What the hell was that?
0: (laughs) Uh, Shoot, I I, you know it's one of these things. I definitely know his name. Oh, Johnny Torrio.
1: Yeah, there we go, Johnny Torrio.
0: And um, I mean, Torrio's story is real interesting too. I mean, he. He was like, a, he was a peacekeeper. He was kind of a guy. Uh, that, what's that?
1: From what I remember, so Torrio didn't want to change. Right. Um, Capone was like, man, we can make more money than this shit.
0: Right. And he kind of, he kind of let Torrio retire, which.
1: Well, Torrio didn't, he, he got shot.
0: He did he got injured, and he uh and I then he, he
1: retired he, they let him walk away
0: right but
1: um wasn't that an inside job though i'm i don't
0: i'm not I really sure about him. that he I was feel like, uh, sort
1: of like a uh, I feel like i feel like capone was part like he was part of it like
0: i don't, I don't know if they that. i don't know if they ever you know. For sure said that. I don't remember. I mean, he gave control to Capone. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like it was uh you know of his own free will. Um but he was he was one of the you know behind the scenes kind of guys that you don't hear about as much as some of the crazier one, you know, the Capone's and stuff, but yeah. he was, he was one of the guys, he really just kind of set the whole Chicago thing. And he actually really was, you know, he tried to make peace with the Irish there and stuff, but, um, you know, when that couldn't happen, he, he let Capone and Frankie Yale and all those other guys there take care of the, the Irish, um. Yeah. Yeah, he was big. And then, who's that other one we were talking about? Um, there was a big organizer back then. Um, Arnold Rothstein, very famously. Um, you know his big claim to fame is fixing the World Series, the the Black Sox scandal. Mm-hmm. um that was kind of his famous thing but actually if he's a real interesting case study you know he was uh you know luciano he mentored luciano he uh he was well respected by like a lot of the families and he was kind of considered a genius you know and uh you would think I mean, at least I thought he was kind of an older guy or whatever. He died fairly young. He um, did. He was uh, he was murdered. <laughs> he uh, he was a notorious gambler, and a high stakes gambler, and I guess in his later years he uh, he kind of stopped being as smart about it. Like, I mean. I guess that's how gambling goes. You, you know, you think you, you're always going to beat the house. Yeah. He died at the age of 46. Um, he uh, was piss poor too. Well, he went on a real bad losing streak and um, he accused these, this, uh, you know, person that was running these card games of ripping him off, um, you know, tricking him. Cause he was, he thought of himself as like, uh, you know, a rarely loses poker player and gambler and better. And he, you know, he thought he must be getting ripped off. And a lot of people think the guy that was ripping him off kind of had him killed. Um, he lost, a, he lost a card game or, or something. And I, I'm going to try to find it, but I read it before. He, uh, yeah, it was
1: something like that.
0: Yeah, he was mortally wounded during a business meeting, but I think the meeting was uh, linked to debts owed from a three-day-long high-stakes poker game in October, which he owed 320000 which is equivalent to $4.8 He claimed the game was fixed and refused to pay. Um, so, uh, a gambler named George hump McManus was arrested for the homicide, but later acquitted for lack of evidence, but it kind of seems like one of those things where that was a guy that was hired by, you know, whoever was in charge of this card game kind of thing, but he was an original mastermind um, uh, of a lot of the prohibition stuff. And uh yeah, you know, sometimes I found guys like him and uh um him and Torrio a little more interesting than Al Capone, Al Capone, you know, you know, Lucky Luciano type stuff. Cause uh you know they they were kind of different, um and um Remember that? This is just kind of random, but I'm looking at his thing. But do you remember the whole Dutch Schultz thing? Um, I don't know what part. Well, actually, that was kind of an interesting movie. Do you remember that Dutch Schultz movie? Uh, Hoodlum? Yeah, I think that's it. Hoodlum. Yeah, that's a good one. It's got the guy. Humpy uh, Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Lawrence,
1: Lawrence Fishburne.
0: Lawrence Fishburne, but it's also the guy that plays Schultz, is uh, he's the guy from um, uh, that Tarantino movie. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but um, he's done a lot of things. But, yeah, that was an interesting movie. That was the guy that was so crazy that <laughs> they all got together and they put a hit out on him, right? Like uh, Arthur
1: Flegenheimer. Yeah. So, well, he wanted to kill the, the oh, what the hell was his name? The New York prosecutor there.
0: Yes. Uh, Dewey. He went. Yeah, Dewey. Uh,
1: yeah, he wanted to kill him, and obviously he was going to bring a lot of heat on everyone. So they got rid of him instead.
0: Yeah, and he was going to do it too. Like he thought he was going to kill, and a lot of people think it was kind of a famous unsolved mystery of where his money went.
1: Yeah. So to, to get local again, uh, Dutch Schultz, uh, supposedly would come up to the Ben Conger Inn in and ground to hide out, you know, Oh really? Uh, for whatever reason, um, to, to lay low, you know? Right. And, um, the legend is that, uh, he buried money along the Waska Inlet that goes through town. Hmm.
0: That'd be interesting. I mean, I know his last words <clears throat> are considered like conspiracy theory stuff. It's like a rambling bunch of stuff he said on his deathbed. Because he was on his deathbed for like a couple of days, I think. Um, and he supposedly said a bunch of stuff and they you know Illuminati and all this stuff you know I think coded messages on where he left his money and and stuff, but um, I guess they think it might have been in the cat skills,
1: yeah, there's a lot of places, but it's a it's very typical like uh folklore almost right. you know,
0: yeah, that's true, well, one. <laughs> one of those that wasn't folklore that they actually found. And I mean, I don't have anything in front of me, so the ears might be off, but um, when, when what's his name? um, Meyer Lansky died, he, uh, he lived in a little house. um, Very, you know, he was known around the neighborhood as they just thought he was kind of a, not a bum, but like just a, Old man living off, you know, his retirement or whatever.
2: Yeah.
0: And, um, and the government, you know, obviously when he died, they wanted to find his money and stuff. They never found anything. They, you know, he had nothing in banks that was findable. And I think like 20, 20 some years later, his daughter ended up finding a bunch of his money either like just kind of buried in the walls of his house or under, you know, buried in the ground, like on his property. And it was like the equivalent of millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, he was just old school. He didn't, he didn't put it in banks. He just hid it and, mm. you know, didn't tell anybody
1: <laughs> the way to do it. Especially back then.
0: All right. Yeah, especially if you wanted to not get in trouble with taxes and stuff.
1: Probably a depression thing, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. Got any more local? uh,
1: Yeah, uh, I've got another one. This one's from Cortland. So, bootleg or kill. This is uh, February 3rd, 1926. Yeah. Uh, James H. O'Hargan of Moravia died tonight of wounds sustained this morning when he attempted to elude police with a truckload of alleged liquor. Mm. Uh, he was from Moravia, but he was killed in Corland.
0: James O'Hargan.
1: James that's O'Hargan. Pretty,
0: that's pretty Irish. <laughs> Old James O'Hargan. Uh,
1: makes you wonder. Um, I don't know, he's from Moravia. But uh what was this? Nineteen twenty two, so This one is uh, Raids and Swamp by Kuga Officers, net moonshiners, outfits, and one prisoner. Uh, 7th of of September, 1922. So uh, Kuga County authorities raided um, two illicit liquor stills, more than 600 gallons of mash, used in making whiskey, various things, blah, 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 and one prisoner. Uh, Let's see, Uh, the raid took, took the party into the deepest, thickest portions of Bear Swamp in the town of Sempronius
0: and they yeah I mean I'm sure there was I mean you've driven around here I'm sure there was stills and all these backwoods places and uh, all over the place you know you could easily hide that stuff in all the woods and we think there's a lot of woods around here now back in the 20s and 30s there was I've been I've driven all over the state now with my current job. I mean, like all over the state. And, uh, man, some of these places, people could still do whatever they want on some of these properties. I was out kind of near Cooperstown, New York, in that general area. And uh, I was looking for a house. And this guy, this one guy was so far out in the woods he had a sign on the tree that was at the end of his driveway. You couldn't see the house. And the sign said the hideout. And it was like a carved wood sign. And it was real, like it was kind of fancy. It was kind of funny. But I mean, this was so this was so far out in the woods. No cell phone signal out there. Um, I actually I wasn't even able to work that case, it was so it was so uh, reclusive out in these, these woods, the main road had uh, the one road to it was seasonal and it was the, you know, kind of beginning of winter and the snow had fallen and nothing was plowed. So I couldn't go down the the main seasonal road. And I tried to find a back way to it. And a bunch of the trees had fallen across this road (laughs) and I couldn't, uh, I had to, eventually when I found a place where there was a cell phone signal, I had to call my company and be like, I can't, I can't even get to this person's house. Like, (laughs) um, but it's kind of funny to think there's still places like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, the prohibition of that time was, was booze. I mean, now it's, I would say it was probably marijuana. um, But now that, that's that's legal now. Uh, so, who knows? I mean, those places, meth, you know. <laughs> but you don't need to make meth out in the in the woods, I guess. But um, I'm sure people do.
1: I was gonna say, but they do.
0: <laughs> but they do, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and um, you know, the just the history of prohibition is a are you you know not to touch a a touchy subject with us but maybe for the podcast a little interesting you're not still into the prohibition as like a thing are you the party well not even necessarily that but just the idea of prohibition being a good idea
1: well i think the the idea behind prohibition is a good idea
0: Mm, disagree.
1: Not prohibition itself, but, you know, looking out for people's health. Yeah. Ignoring, ignoring, just, you know, completely ignoring it as a as a issue is just, it's, it's bullshit.
0: Right, but hasn't history kind of proved that the way you really fight it is kind of the way they fought cigarettes? You, what, you taxes? May... Taxes, for one. That's for Isn't one,
1: Trying to fight climate change that way too,
0: right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. Um, but you know, taxes, yeah, and um, just making it so un unpopular and uncool and just oh, no,
1: yeah, no, that, yeah, making the health
0: facts just known
1: that would be you know, and it kind of started with our generation, you know.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think I feel like, a bit. I feel like alcohol's, I mean, it's definitely not at the thing of cigarettes, but it's kind of, you can see the beginnings of it. You know, I mean, I think it's a little too, it's more ingrained in our culture. And probably a big part of it was because of prohibition's failure, is, is why alcohol became kind of became so more ingrained into culture.
1: I mean, sure,
0: um, but you know, I mean, I guess I just guess my point is history's kind of shown that the way the way you really do prohibition is is kind of sick, how <coughs> how they did the smoking and cigarettes and stuff, and you know the recent popularity with those. Like uh, e-cigarettes or whatever they're called, Uh, yeah.
1: That's
0: kind of been. That's kind of been. uh,
1: That's a uh, political hit job, is what that is.
0: Well, I think, I think partly it's. um, They kind of. That's kind of the way some of those companies figured out. They said, "Oh shit! The reason nobody's smoking is because it's, it's fucking gross and." It's kind of, you know, cancer sucks, and, um, you know, it's kind of been portrayed enough as not being cool that, you know, it's kind of out of just, it's kind of out of the mainstream. So they thought, well, we can kind of go the way of, uh, you know, those, if you think about it, it's kind of the smoking's answer to the, the White Claw stuff or the hard lemonade stuff it's mm. like the fruity beer stuff you know it's it's their version of that you know make it make it seem like you're not really smoking and it you know it's not it's harmful blah 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 you know it tastes good kind of thing and uh but i mean i don't think it picked up as as much as smoking did in like the 50s and 60s with early tv and stuff mm. but getting a little off topic, but not really because, you know, prohibition is part of the prohibition era. So, but, um, want to wrap it up? Yeah. Wrap it up, man. All right. Well, that was a good podcast. Um, I think this is definitely a subject down the road we can get into more. Um, you know, maybe we could be, we could pick a, more specific deep dive into a specific person or a specific uh crew or something um but that'll be down the road i'm trying to touch a bunch of different topics um for this podcast i got a couple of um little podcast news here at then i do have a couple of interviews lined up um if you're a fan of hp lovecraft um i got a podcast coming up with a. Uh, a real historian on the subject, a real, you know, a movie writer, director, actor, um, who's uh, very knowledgeable with the H.P. Lovecraft lore. Um, so I'm going to talk to him about that and really get into a deep dive with that, because personally, I've and I'm going to tell him this, I've been a little intimidated when it comes to Lovecraft to get into it. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of its own culture so that's going to be really interesting. And um, I got another interview lined up with a, a horror. Um, is he, uh, is, he does a, a horror podcaster.
1: What are we um, talking about, Brian? Yeah. He's a horror host.
0: He's a host. He hosts um, Chiller, Chiller Nights. Chiller
1: um, Night Theater.
0: Yep. And uh, he
1: chill chat and or, uh, uh, interviews, you know, horror people.
0: Yeah. He's real deep in the, the horror movie uh, genre game. And again, you know, it's one of those topics interested in. And, um you know, now that I'm saying this, one of those two podcasts is probably going to air before this one. So um I don't know which one yet, but you guys will know if you've listened in order here. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, one of those is either aired and one of those is coming up. So tune into that. And, uh, thank you for, for joining us here on the deep dive with Nick Babel and, uh, have a good night.